This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. Our God's a jealous God. I mean, the Bible says so. He is a jealous God. You will put no gods before me. Well, the my racing career, uh, Stevie and my marriage, uh, I kind of threw God in there every now and then, you know, when I needed help. Uh, I the, the races I won, the things I did, it was things that I had done. And I wasn't giving God any glory. Former driving champ and NASCAR announcer Daryl Waltrip describing his spiritual condition at one point in his racing career. And today on Focus on the Family, you'll hear more about the Waltrip's faith journey as a couple. Your host is Focus President Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. And Jim, we're going back to a conversation recorded in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, John, we visited with Daryl and Stevie at the Daryl Waltrip Museum in front of a live audience with friends of Focus. There were a bunch of Daryl's old race cars in the room, and they're in good shape. Don't get me wrong. He fired up a couple of them. It was a lot of fun. But the racing banners, photos of his great victories, all of it. Daryl was one of the most successful drivers in the 1980s. He tied for fourth on the all-time win list for NASCAR, and we really had had a great time while getting to know this couple uh, who've been married for over 50 years and we heard about their ups and downs in their relationship and in the racing business. And Daryl and Stevie Waltrip have volunteered for a number of years with Motor Racing Outreach, which is a Christian organization holding chapel services for drivers and their families and crew. And MRO also distributes literature and other support in the uh, NASCAR community and we really appreciate their work. Now, last time, Daryl talked about a crash at Daytona in 1983 that really changed his life and led him to rededicate his life to Christ. Today, on this Focus on the Family broadcast, we're going to pick up with the discussion as Jim is asking Daryl about his second big crash at Daytona that happened in 1990. Daryl, again at Daytona, you had the flipper crash. You had the big one. Describe that and what happened, and again, how that added momentum to knowing and thinking about eternity. Well, once you know, I always like to tell people that once you give your life to the Lord, you, you know, it doesn't solve all your problems. You know, it's not a bed of roses. Being a Christian is the hardest thing I've ever done, huh. and it's not something that it's just you know you flip a switch and uh, you go from not serving the Lord to all of a sudden you serve the Lord and that's all there is. Uh, it's a progression. What really is important is where are you right now when you're sitting here in this chair. Are you, you know, is your relationship with the Lord where it should be? So, uh, in 1990, I had another serious wreck at Daytona, turn four, terrible turn. I hate that turn. <laughs> I've wrecked more there, and I have all the other turns put together. But, uh, and and I was messed up. I uh, broke my leg, shattered my femur, broke my arm, ribs, concussion. I was pretty messed up. I got hit in the driver's door by another car. I was sitting still, another car hit me around 180 miles an hour. Oh, my goodness. So that should have probably been the end of my career, or it could have been the end of my career. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, by the grace of God, and uh, God felt like I think he had other work that that I was supposed to do, um, 
I, I was able to overcome those injuries and get back in my car and race. But all those times that things like that happened, it really just drew me closer to God. Hmm. It just knew my dependence on God. I depended on my car. I depended on my crew. Depended on me, and none of those things could help me. Uh, the only thing that could really help me was our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when when I started to get that get that in perspective, um, I, I really I didn't worry about anything. Huh. I didn't worry about being hurt because I I knew that the Lord would either He would heal me, yeah, and I would be able to race again, or He would have something else that He wanted me to do. You know, as you're describing it, Daryl, it sounds like that that parable that Jesus talked about when the seed is cast, how it'll take root, hopefully. And it sounds like these experiences really deepen the roots of your faith every time. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you when you do what we do, you need to have a good relationship with the Lord. Yeah. I mean, and I'd say that's kind of funny, I know, but it, it really and truly, you better have your priorities right. Mm. A year later, one year later to the day, I had another serious wreck at Daytona. Turn four? That was where Flipper was. <laughs> it was going down to turn. I was getting there. Uh, that crash you see on the wall up there. Uh, that was one year to the day later, after my serious wreck at Daytona, I got back going again, and uh, that's a 4th of July race, and I got clipped coming off turn two about halfway down the back straightaway, and the car went into the infield uh, grass there and just started flipping and it tore it all apart, as it, you can see. Yeah, it's barely a car. It's just a shell. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, there was an experience there, Stevie, where you were providing Daryl a scripture card for every race. Mm-hmm. and putting it on the dash, or, and then you started doing it for someone else. Talk mm-hmm. about your relationship with Dale Earnhardt, all three of you, and w- what that meant to him when he was at Daytona in turn four. Um, I had started putting scriptures um, in Daryl's car on the dash just to give him words of encouragement. If we had a caution flag, the cars. The woman down. was relentless. <laughs> I mean, she read to Persistent. me going to the track. I'd get to the track, <laughs> then I'd get ready to get in the car. Now I'm gonna get the scripture and put it on the dash. And I, she was relentless, but in a good way. <laughs> um, good for you. Yes. So, uh, so I started doing that in the early '80s, and um, then in the '90s, and I don't remember what year Neil died. 90, um, Neil Bonnet was a, one of our. Co-competitors. 95, 94. Yeah, 94. And um, he had a, a terrible wreck at Daytona, and he died. And Dale Earnhardt and Neil Bonnet were really good friends. And it just, it, it really affected, well, affected the whole community. Right. Uh, it is a family, all, isn't it? It truly is. And I always made it um, kind of my mission. I didn't want to have feuds with other wives or other race teams, that's just not who I am. So I've made every effort to just leave whatever happened on the racetrack there and to have be able to have good relationships with me with on the, the other, other hand. <laughs> so that's kinda like other be people. a friend to the, your enemies. Yes. Yeah. Well yeah. actually heaping coals. Yes. We <laughs> had that scripture. I read that to we we were having um some very strong feelings about a certain driver at the time and it wasn't dale and so i was reading uh, proverbs out loud to us Um, and i think it's in proverbs but anyway it's where um be good to your enemies it's like uh, pouring 
whatever. Heaping hot coals. Heaping hot yeah. coals on yeah. their head and, and whatever <laughs> it was. And I said, hey, Daryl, yeah. listen to this. You're going to love this. <laughs> this is going to motivate you to love this particular driver. So anyway, but back to Dale. Um, we were at the racetrack at Daytona, and I had um, – was writing madly this down this scripture because I was late getting out on pit road and Dale and, and Daryl had qualified relatively close. Um, so so they were on pit road, um, getting lined up for the race to start and they're going to their cars to get in. And Dale saw me with the, with the card and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, these are scriptures that I write for Daryl and I put them in the car every week. And he puts out his hand. He said, well, where's mine? So we, I, I said, well, wait just a second. I'll go get you one. So anyway, and so from that point forward, 94 until 2001, uh, Daryl and Dale got scriptures. And sometimes at I every would, race, at every race, because wow. I went to all the races that yeah. Daryl raced in. And I, wasn't, so, I wasn't necessarily thrilled about this. You, you wanted to be the only guy with the advantage well, of scripture. Exactly. So, Dale, sometimes uh, uh, I would write, depending on what the circumstances were in our lives and, and in Dale's, the scriptures sometimes would be the same, but sometimes they weren't. And Dale would grab both of them and read them both, and he'd say, and he'd pick one, and he'd say, I got the good one, didn't I? Yeah, give this one to Daryl. So, yeah, he did. <laughs> And so anyway, competitive about everything. So Daryl says, you "Honey, you're going to have to put my name on mine and Daryl's <laughs> name on his." <laughs> so, what what did those scriptures mean to each of you guys? Well, you know, I mean, beyond I always the competitive told people aspects, they were not good luck. It was not a good luck charm. Uh, it, it was just a message. Uh, and Stephen didn't just, uh, you know, throw something together Sunday morning, stick it on a card, and put it in a car. She gave a lot of thought. And normally it would be some scripture that was related to maybe something that's going on in that weekend. And, uh, and a lot of times during a caution flag, you'd always put them on the dash on a little note card. A lot of times during a caution flag, maybe things weren't going so great. And you'd look over and you'd read that scripture. And you'd get some encouragement you, from You it. had time during the competition of a race... To look at the dash and read a scripture. Oh, yeah. that's, I, I was, that's why he crashed yeah. and turned four so much. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just yeah. struck by how intense that situation is. That was is. his and version of texting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's a scripture for you. Yeah. Normally, we would do it under a, probably do it under a caution flag. You know, when you're going slow. But anyway, about a hundred. Yeah, we'd, we'd be not at racing speed. But another another thing that was kind of along with the scripture with Lake Speed, who's a good friend of ours and one of the uh, board members MRO. So me and him and Bobby Hill, and, you know, we're trying to be good examples to the other drivers. And, you know, drivers have a lot of hand signals they do, uh, a lot of <laughs> single-digit waves and <laughs> shaking their fist and all that kind of thing. And so Rooting each other yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go, guys, go. Brotherly love. Um, so Lake, I think uh, Lake saw me maybe do one of those single-digit waves at somebody. And uh, after the race, is always said, you know, you shouldn't have done that because Lakes is like this. He will confront you in a heartbeat. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, that didn't set no. That's not a very good example. Uh, you know, you're a member of the motor racing outreach. You're on the board. You claim you claim sh- the name of Christ. That's right. You say you're a Christian, and then and then look like it out there today. I said, so what would you do? Okay, now you're going after every driver on the highway <laughs> right. who claims so, Christ. That's right. <laughs> 
So I said, so what would you do, Lake? He said, well, instead of throwing up your finger like you did, why don't you just hold up your cup? I said, do what? He said, hold up your cup. He said, God cannot bless you if your cup is upside down. Huh. And apparently yours has been upside down quite a bit lately. <laughs> he said, so my suggestion is when you get mad or you, you want to send a message to someone, make it a message of encouragement and hold up your cup. Okay, you God can fill it with blessings. You don't need to be a NASCAR driver to do this, that's for sure. <laughs> this Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Stock up on Adventures and Odyssey albums with Focus on the Family Canada's download sale. Download all your favorite Adventures and Odyssey albums and save up to 37%. This summer, the whole family will enjoy listening to Wit, Connie, Eugene, and all the lovable characters of Adventures and Odyssey. Don't miss out on Focus on the Family Canada's download sale. It ends July 5th. Buy now at shop.focusonthefamily.ca. That's shop.focusonthefamily.ca. Everybody around us this summer, I say everybody, but we, our eyes were open to it in the last year that there's a lot of folks in their 30s that are our age that were seeing their marriages fall apart, and it scared us. After 11 years, Brett's marriage had grown stale. He wanted something better for he and his wife. That's when they found our podcast online and began listening almost every day. Focus on the families helped our marriage from the standpoint of opening our hearts to see things from the other's perspective and to make sure that God is centered in our marriage. I'm Jim Daly. Thanks to the generosity of friends like you, Brett's marriage is getting better. Working together, we can give families hope. Will you join our marriage building team? Call 800, the letter A and the word family. That's 800-A-FAMILY. Or donate at focusonthefamily.ca slash give. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. I do want to catch John. the end of that story, that last race for Dale Earnhardt, mm-hmm. uh, that you gave him that scripture. Do you remember the scripture it was? Uh, yes. The, it's Proverbs 18.10. Um, the name of the Lord is a watchtower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And he would have read that before that race, and he put it on his dash, and then... Uh, Daryl, you were calling that race for Fox. It was on television. I was actually watching that race as well, the 2001 Daytona race. Yeah. Um, talk about the emotion of that because Michael, your brother, <clears throat> yeah. was involved with the end of that race. What happened? Yeah, well, it, it, this is an unusual weekend for us as a family. My girls and Stevie and I were all in the motor coach like we had been for years. But I don't have a race car. I'm not going to pit road. I'm putting on a coat and a tie. And I'm getting ready to go upstairs in the TV booth. And so the girls, Sarah and Jessica and Stevie, they're sitting there looking at me, well, like, what are we supposed to do? I said, well, go out on pit road. You know all the drivers. Just go out on the pit road like you always have. And, and uh, she said, you think Dale still want me to give him scriptures? I said, honey, I know he would. I said, you got to do that for him. Even though you don't have to do it for me anymore, you got to keep doing it for him. He's still racing. 
well, I don't know. I just don't feel real. She tell me, I don't feel real good about that. I said, but well, pray about it and think about it. Because I didn't have a husband to go out on pit road for, so mm. it, it was just it was a huge life change for felt, felt for awkward. both of us. Yeah, it was really awkward, did. really awkward. It was for all of us. Um, and uh, anyway, <clears throat> I said, well, I had to go. I said, think about it, pray about it, and and you'll come up with something. Open up your Bible, you'll find something that 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 uh, is appropriate. She came up with Proverbs 18.10. She went on pit road that day without me, her and Jessica. They saw Dale and Teresa, and uh, Dale saw Stevie. He had her to come over. They, She gave him his scripture, and they hugged. And and, then and he I got did her. get to tell him I loved him, and he told me he loved me. Mm. So that's a wonderful comfort and, and memory oh, to yeah. have, yes. Describe the end of the race. What so, happened? So Dale has this scripture, and it's, it's on the dash. You can see it on the dash of the car. You can see it on – she does that for Dale Jr. now as well uh, at his request. It's not like she's out there promoting this. Uh, she's, she's not that way. But Dale Jr. wanted those scriptures. Only just with like, my husband. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just, Dale Jr. wanted those scriptures the same way. But, yeah, the last few laps of that race were insane. Uh, we'd, had, uh, we'd had a big wreck. Uh, with about 25 laps to go, I think. Uh, huge wreck, 20-car pile up. We always talk about the big one at Daytona and Talladega. Well, we had it. And uh, actually, it's odd because uh, Tony Stewart was running up front, and his teammate Bonnie was running in the back, and they ended up on top of each other. Huh. That's how crazy the wreck was and how hard it is to avoid one of them. So the cars are stopped on the back straightaway, and this is the first race for – my brother to be driving for Dale, Michael. Michael, he's in the Napa number fifteen car, and my, and Michael's leading. Dale Junior's in the eight Budweiser car, and and Senior is in the three, the Goodwrench car. And the cars are stopped on the back under the red flag because they had to clean up the track from the big wreck. And Dale, like he always liked to do, he had to orchestra, he had to direct everything. You know, if he was here, he would have rearranged this whole room. And 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 he said, "Why are you sitting there? Well, you need to sit over here." And that's just how he was. I always thought he was a control freak, but people just said he wanted to be sure, you know, he was trying to help you. He wanted to be sure he had it right. And so I had to think about that. But um, could be a control freak. I I still think he was a control freak. But anyway, uh, so he's telling Michael and Dale Jr. how to run these last few laps of this race. Michael, if you're going to be, you're leading Dale Jr., do not pass him. You stay behind him and you push him. And if anybody get your run on us, I'll take care of that. You don't have to worry about that. And so they go back to racing, and there's just a, the, the race is winding down. Um, Dale was driving defensively. Uh, he was blocking, he was blocking uh, which for Dale is totally out of character. For Dale, he's used to people pushing him and helping him and getting him to the front. And But he was really just kind of helping Michael and, and Dale Jr. win the race. And but in, in his wildest dreams, I'm sure he never thought about getting wrecked. And I'm sure that because my brother never won a race, people were saying, "Well, why'd you put him in that car? All the drivers you could find out there, and you had to put him in that car." But Dale loved to be one of those kind of guys that I told you so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last thing he saw as they came into the third turn and start off turn four, he saw his two cars headed for the checkered flag. But because of the way he was driving, he blocked Schrader and he blocked Sterling, and he finally he just made one move too many, and Sterling got into him a little bit going into down into third turn there, and the car got loose and went up the track and smacked a concrete wall, not a safer barrier like we got now, a concrete wall, 
at probably about 170 miles an hour. Head on. Yeah, head on. Now, the race was finishing. I remember watching that, and yeah. everybody was excited for Michael because it was his yeah. first big race, Daytona. Yeah. But everybody's eye kind of went back to that crash behind him. Yeah. In fact, you were on Fox, and you asked what happened to yeah. Dale. Well, a couple of things. Uh, when a car hits a concrete wall head on, it, it's just like if I walked over in front of you and went, just like that. The force. The force. I mean, your head can't stop. It's brutal. And that's what happened to Dale. And I, I, I was watching Michael, and I'm, I'm so excited for my brother, who's going to win his, not only his first race, but the biggest race we have, the Daytona 500. It's his first time in the car. It's my first time to do a race. We had talked about an offseason. Wouldn't it be cool? If I was calling the race and you won it, wow, that'd be a cool moment. And that's what's happening. And he's coming down to get the checkered flag, and Junior's going to run second. And I, I saw the black car go up the hill, uh, up the track, out the corner of my eye. But I'm, I'm focused on Michael. Come on, baby, you can do it. Bring it home. Don't let him get by you, you know. And Michael crosses start-finish line, and I'm so – I'm euphoric. He won the race. God, this is perfect. We're going to celebrate, go to a victory circle. It's going to be so much fun. And in our booth, we have a lot of monitors, and they showed a replay of Dale's wreck, and I knew right then, I don't think we're going to go to a victory circle because I think this is pretty bad. And they came to me, and I said, I hope Dale was okay, and I knew he wasn't. I knew he wasn't for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's an incredible crash. Didn't look that bad on TV, but I knew the effect. And then Kenny Schrader, really dear friend, Kenny is a tough guy, raced all over the country. He walked around to Dale's car, and he dropped that window net down, and when he did, he jumped back like that and started waving for the safety crew. And I knew right then that there, it was something very seriously wrong. So now my brother, who's headed for Victory Lane, Dale, who's being put in an ambulance, and one of the most eerie sights I think I've ever seen was that ambulance comes out of the track and starts up uh, 92 there headed toward Halifax Hospital going about 20 miles an hour no urgency whatsoever mm. and that was just another indication to me that it was much serious than everybody had thought you know there's so many life applications to that um, mm. you guys have lived in the fast lane and won big races and you have a beautiful career and great memories for that to happen all in that one day, it really sums up so much of life, doesn't it? Yeah, a, a lot of ways it does. And, and I'll tell you something that people, I don't think, I don't know if you realize this or not, maybe not at the time, but you kind of feel guilty, uh, you know, that I, I survived. Uh, I survived uh, some tough wrecks. And Dale had survived all the tough wrecks, too. But that one got him. Mm. And you always wonder, you know, how come... I survived and he didn't. And I think sometimes you feel guilty about that to some degree. You know, but it's true for each of us. Uh, we're all kind of running the race, like Paul said. Mm. And yeah. something's going to get every one of us. Yeah. We can't uh, outrun death. Yeah. Uh, Stevie, knowing what you had done there for Dale, um, talk about the comfort in your heart that he thought about God before he passed away. He did, and we'd had uh, talked about the Lord, and I am convinced he is in the arms of Jesus right now. And so just knowing that I had prayed and asked the Lord, and he specifically, he gave me that scripture because I read it, and 
um, you know, I'm, re- I'm reading Proverbs, all of that chapter. And then I got to that one, and I thought, this is it. And I'd never used that scripture before. And so I, but then I kept on reading because I kind of doubted, you know, I wasn't real sure. And then I went back to it, and I asked Daryl about it. What do you think? And um, I said, I just really believe this is the scripture that I'm supposed to give Dale today. And so I wrote it out. So knowing those things, knowing that I went to the Lord and that I think I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to pick that scripture, that that gave me tremendous comfort. It gave his family comfort. It gave his racing family comfort. It gave race fans comfort just to read those words, know they were specifically chosen for Dale in that situation and for each one of us. So it, it gave us all tremendous comfort. No, it's a beautiful thing to know about. From both of your perspectives, can I just ask you to speak to that person that's living that hard charge in life, Daryl, that business guy, um, the doctor, whoever it might be, yeah. the person that's just fully consumed with their environment and themselves, um, speak to that person. Yeah. Well, I had the privilege of doing an I Am Second video. I was one of the first or second people that did an I Am, I Am Second. And that's the hardest thing for someone successful to be able to do is to say that I'm going to be second. It just It's not in your nature to feel that way. But when you realize that, when you do put God first, and when you are second, and when there are no other gods uh, before him, um, then you can start to live uh, the real life, uh, a life of uh, athletes, a lot of professional things, are selfish people. They just worry about themselves. And I, I was one of those kind of guys. I worried about myself and didn't really care what happened to anybody else. But uh, when God got inside of me and got in my heart, uh, that all changed. And that's what it's about, change. If you haven't experienced a change in your life because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, then you might want to go back and try it again because mm. something has to change. See, uh, you've got to see a change. got to see a change, yeah. yeah. And so uh, that's what I say. To, when someone, and another thing I think is important, when someone like your wife says, I'm praying for you, or your friends say, I'm praying for you, don't take that lightly. Mm. That's... I love it when people say it's my privilege to pray for you. Uh, that That's huge. They're thinking of you and taking you and your name and your situation to the Lord, mm. and they're doing it for you. And when you're, a, when, when you're in a position where you can finally say to someone, I'm praying for you, I'm not just praying for my selfish self, but I'm praying for you, I think that's a big turning point. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Daryl Waltrip, known as D.W., yeah. and his wife, Stevie. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Good to be here. Thanks, all you folks. Nice, uh, nice audience. As Daryl noted, it really was a nice audience. And what a great conversation we had uh, featured today on Focus on the Family with Daryl and Stevie Waltrip, recorded at the Daryl Waltrip Museum in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, the Waltrips uh, really had some fascinating stories about NASCAR and their faith and marriage. 
of more than 50 years. And I hope our listeners will contact us and get a copy of the CD of this two-day broadcast and share it with others. When you call, uh, please consider making a generous donation to the work of Focus on the Family to help us share Christ with others and encourage them in their marriages. And then, most importantly, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, maybe you're not really sure even what that means. We'd be happy to tell you more, and we'll send you a free booklet called Coming Home, an invitation to join God's family. And tens of thousands have requested this booklet or have uh, viewed it online, and it's our privilege to send it to you. Uh, Just call 800, the letter A, and the word family, or look for that online. It's going to be linked at focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.